Welcome to the One School Project. I'm Dr. Keevan Bybee, a practicing family physician in primary care. I'm a womb-to-tomb doctor and have seen and done a bit of most everything. I've delivered babies and then cared and treated people through terminal conditions. I have witnessed and held space for my patients' incredible suffering. As I've grown a physician, I began to realize that, had there been an appropriate safety net, my patients might have been able to live with a bit more grace and minimize some downstream suffering for years to come. So you might be asking, why is a doctor hosting a podcast about starting a school? Well, I'd like to share a story. Kay was a nine-year-old boy who came to see me for attention deficit disorder, oppositional defiant disorder, and aggressive and violent behaviors towards his siblings. He didn't seem to be getting better on his stimulant medication. The first time I saw them in my clinic, I discovered that his mom had a chronic neurodegenerative condition where she was confined to a wheelchair. I learned in history taking that they were fleeing a domestic violence situation and the only place where they were able to go were the parents of her abuser. Unsurprisingly, he didn't seem to be getting better by increasing his Ritalin dose or changing to Adderall, adding an antidepressant or even an antipsychotic. I called a consult from the university pediatric psychiatrist, referred to several community family resource agencies, child protectives of services, all to no effect. A primary care clinic is the one place where anyone can show up for just about any reason at all. That and the emergency department. Though my training has given me a few tools to address the spiritual, psychosocial domains, I'm still primarily a medical mechanic. In many ways, I feel impotent to intervene in constructive ways when a chief complaint is due to an issue not so much medical, but untenable life circumstances. My toolbox is only so big. Pills and listening only do so much. My heart breaks for my patients. Higher doses of medicine tend not to fix these situations. Access to mental health and social services are insufficient for so many of my patients' needs. Thus, I wondered, why don't we have a better place than the emergency department for 24-hour social services triage, let alone being able to find or access any one of the geographically sparse offices of these various services, or to know which of these services to access in the first place? When we consider cumulative lifetime health and wellness outcomes, childhood trauma contributes so much to later illness and morbidity. If you haven't already heard of it, check out the Adverse Childhood Events Study through Kaiser, otherwise known as the ACEs. If we can prevent, for example, diabetes by giving children better coping skills earlier in life, then the return on that investment would be enormous. What if children always have a place with an adult who could help co-regulate them? What if children couldn't be kicked out of school for being a behavioral disturbance? What if we could co-locate robust social services into the place where most children spend a large portion of their developing years? In school. What if these schools were open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year? What if any child of the appropriate age could just walk right into that school at any time for any reason? What if we could provide food, perhaps a change of clothes, medical triage, or even a place to sleep? We could even do well-child checks and immunizations in the school. What if we had enough counselors for each of the children there, and enough social workers with enough resources? In some circles, entitlements are equated with handouts. 
But what if we frame this more of an investment? Many studies have shown how investing in children appropriately will only make the economy stronger in the long term. Of course, this is all going to cost money, but somehow we find enough to fund military bases throughout the world. This will also not happen in a vacuum. We need something like universal health care, and I'm in favor of something like universal basic income. Having a school like this is only one piece of a larger puzzle. But damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor. I'm not an educator, policymaker, social worker, lawyer, nor therapist. Yet I see every day the consequences of my patients not having adequate access to those most valuable team members. I have the luck and privilege to be a care provider in one narrow but highly visible way, and I want to feed forward the luck that I fell into. What if we can tell an interesting narrative about why this is important? What if we can have interviews with specialist team members in the subdisciplines to gain further insight into how this might become a practical reality? What if these conversations build a network of passionate multidisciplinary team members? What if we can develop a detailed group? What if we can develop a detailed blueprint or grant proposal for such a model? What if we can expand the audience until someone with the foresight and capital can help fund a private school? What if we can expand the audience until someone with the foresight and capital can help fund a pilot school? And what if we can show a return on investment or show that this school is such an attractive model that more public schools want to adopt it? The deck of life can be stacked and hands can be dealt in a way that make life challenging in a probabilistic way that leads to unnecessary trauma with long-term consequences. We don't choose the manner, timing, and people to whom we are born. Luck, both good and bad, are among the largest drivers of anyone's outcomes in this world. I was lucky enough to be born into an environment and with the skills to pursue medicine. I have had to and still need to do a lot of empathetic listening and learning, which is my goal in these conversations. So in addition to primary care, I hope to pay it forward and be part of the project that raises the floor of luck for our children. There have been school revolution projects many times over, and I approach this with great humility, but also with great optimism that something like this can become a reality. There is nothing in principle holding us back from doing this. I am aware that many reform projects were examples of colonization, and part of my search will be to listen to experts in social justice to make sure this is addressing an existing need and not creating a need to meet. So please join us. Listen in, reach out, and ask if this is something you'd like to see in your community.